0: At Bakers, we believe in higher standards for fresh. So we do up to a 27 point inspection on our produce. Like for oranges we check for scarring and sunburn, allowing only the best produce to reach our shelves because when it comes to fresh for everyone, we believe the juice is worth the squeeze. Bakers fresh for everyone.
1: Get more ways to save at the buy five or more save one dollar each sale just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers fresh for everyone.
0: Welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for joining me again this week as we take you through the latest news, analysis and game action surrounding our Chicago Bulls. We're coming at you essentially one week after the Otto Porter trade and since that time the Bulls have played three games, beating the Nets in Porter's debut. They looked absolutely amazing in that game actually. But unfortunately they then went on to lose against the Wizards in Bobby Porter's and Jabari Parker's return to the United Center. That was actually... I don't know if I want to call it the game of the year because it's kind of sad to say two losing teams who had just completed a trade have uh, coming into their biggest game of the season after a trade. It's kind of sad to sort of re- reference that game as a game of the year, but I guess that's just the sad reality for both franchises. But it was an interesting game. Unfortunately, the Bulls couldn't pull it out and Portis and Parker got their revenge against their old squad. And only recently, the Bulls then went down to Giannis and the Bucks. So that's been the three games Since the Porter trade, I'm recording this prior to the Grizzlies game, which is going to be on tonight. So who knows how the Bulls will go in that one, but it will be the return of Joakim Noah to the United Center as well. So that should be a fun and interesting game for the Bulls too. But before that game, I wanted to focus on the three that we've sort of seen with Otto Porter on board. I want to talk Otto Porter, what he's brought to the team. How he sort of changed the functionality of the team and what it's meant for Larry Market and Chris Dunn and Zach Levine in particular, and just just talk all things Bulls since the trade because I think we've seen a lot of cha- a lot of the, the dynamics change since Otto Porter's been around. So jumping on the podcast this week is Will Gottlieb. He's joining me to talk all things Otto Porter, the Bulls, and how the team has sort of shaped over the last week. Will, thanks for joining me, mate. It's good to be back on. It's been a while since I've done a podcast here. I feel like Stefan and I got
1: out of the game at the right time. There's like all these new great podcasts uh, popping up, but it's good to be back on as a guest.
0: Well, I'm glad to have you, mate. But uh, have you got the shakes? Have you? You haven't done it for a while.
1: I know. I'm a little nervous.
0: (laughs) I'm sure you'll uh, recapture your old form pretty quickly here. Um, I'm sure of that. But I wanted to get you on because we were having a bit of an exchange online about just generally Otto Porter and what that means for the team and and we're since look Kevin and I did a show last week where we pretty much as it was happening broke we're breaking down the trade but we've had a week now to digest the Otto Porter era if we want to call it that and the Bulls have thus far played three games and they've actually looked pretty good just generally as a team but Porter himself has looked quite good as well so I want to talk about the trade but I also want to talk about how he sort of fit into this team and how the team sort of has gelled, to, uh, gelled around Porter or how he's fit within, within the team as well. So first, before we get into the fit and then just how the team has played, I just want to get your take on the trade because I sort of go back and forward between liking it and being you know, so-so on the trade. I'm with you. Um,
1: I want to really like it. There are some arguments that uh, I think are pretty strongly against it that I see. But, um, I think for the most part, like it's a good deal. I I know the like floor ceiling debate is an interesting one. Um, he's the kind of player as you and Kevin talked about, he's the kind of player that you kind of want to add to a team that's already good to make you a great team that kind of puts you over the top. Um, but I think that in the same way that can really raising the floor of the group that is currently out there is a good thing. Um, and I think we've seen that over the past couple of games, just, it seems like there's more stability, there's more space on the floor, obviously, with his shooting, um, but it just seems like it's put you know, Zach Levine, Larry Markkinen in a better place to succeed um, just by having another solid talent out there. And I think, um, no, they were not going to like hit a home run and get a franchise-changing player at the deadline. I don't think that really any team did that, um, but I think it's good to add talent, and, and hopefully that helps you down the line.
0: Yeah, look, look. I certainly agree with everything you noted there, and I think over the last week, you know, talking about it online or just thinking generally to myself about the whole thing, I think it. it what I've been able to establish is with with this auto portrait, it ultimately depends on the lens that you apply or the or the perspective that you take on it, and based on that, you may come out with a completely different answer. So. The way Kevin looked at it was completely right, and and I think that's the important thing here. There's, there's it's possible for there to be multiple right positions on this thing. I don't know if there's necessarily one right answer and one wrong answer type thing. I think depending on the view you want to put on it, it almost like you'll come up with a different answer in that in that perspective. So Kevin had his view. I was listening to Waddle and Sylvie last week after the trade, and Sylvie was pretty adamant that you know, how is this, where is the direction of the team going now, given that you've brought in a 25-year-old that's signed this huge deal, are we are we rebuilding, are we not, and I, I thought that view was kind of fair as well, but then uh, I, even over the weekend myself, I started looking back over, and I wrote this on Blogger Bull, but if you go back over the last how many years of, of the Bulls management telling us that they've been basically hoarding their cap space for the right opportunity, when you apply that lens and then Otto Porter takes up half of the planned space the Bulls were going to have. in in 2019 that sort of starts to set over me but then i watch the nets game and then the bulls look so good so like it it, it depends on what or how you want to isolate this thing i think is is basically the uh the position of i've I've arrived at and i guess i go back and forth as to which or which perspective i want to apply and because i do that it almost gives me a different answer every single time
1: totally um yeah i think that's that's a really good way to put it um as far as what the plan is i mean I've been asking that question for years now, and I don't think that this really gives you a clear answer either way. I think the plan is let's kick the can down the road a few years and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, And this move to me, uh, really is symbolic of that, right? Like you get a a talented player who's a little bit older than, uh, Levine Markinen Carter. He's a solid player, obviously, but he's not a franchise changing player as we've talked about already. Um, so You know he's on a big contract. You could potentially move that. He's. I I think my guess is that they're looking at this as like a two year signing, which they would argue is a short term. Let's not tie up our money for too many years kind of deal. Um, like I think you know you their argument would be you have to throw more money at a player like this to sign him for a shorter period of time than you would a player like Zach Levine who signed a four year deal. So. I don't think anything's changed based on this. I think it's a job preservation move from the front office. I think it's a kick the can down the road and we'll figure it out as we go kind of move. And hopefully we luck into Zion in the draft and that will change everything.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And look, I think most Bulls fans will, are happy with auto port the player i think no one's actually said that this guy's not good or is not worthy of being on the team or they don't want him on the team i think everyone can agree that he's actually a good productive player but again like it just depends on the angle that you want to apply to it at a specific time and i, I think there can be multiple people can be right at the same time but um yeah it's it's an interesting one i, I almost feel like they did this to accelerate the rebuild but then we read reports that it came. The deal came on pretty quickly after John Wall went down with that Achilles injury. So, they they had talked about it for a while, but you know, in terms of actually it actually getting done, it's it sounded like it, it came on pretty quickly. So, I want to say it's they've done this move to accelerate their rebuild, and you could definitely argue that, I guess. But at the same time, I I question that because it was it was something that almost happened in the spur of the moment. But it does feel like they've gone out and just accelerated that rebuild and, and tried to get that veteran small forward in that can sort of help these younger guys. And, and we've seen that, I think, in the first three games. So we're recording this prior to the Grizzlies game. But basically, in Otto Porter's debut, the, the Bulls looked pretty damn amazing, probably playing their game of the year, at least offensively, their game of the year, absolutely killing the Nets on offense, somehow Scoring over 120 points. Larry Markkinen looked fantastic. Zach Levine played pretty well. And Otto Porter, just without knowing the plays, without necessarily knowing where to fit in type thing, he looked seamless. And he looked like he'd been with the team all season.
1: Um, And despite that, you know, Zach Levine's coming out and saying he doesn't even know the plays yet. And once he figures that stuff out. And I think even today was his first practice here uh, in the States um, on Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday morning, he had his first practice with the Bulls. So um, as they continue to kind of integrate him into what they're trying to do. And by the way, like, it's very tough to figure out what what it is that they're trying to do. They've seemingly changed uh, offensive philosophies now, like three or four times over the past few months. Um, the past three games since he's been here, their pace is up to 104, which is about four possessions per game uh, more than it was or more than their season average. Um, so it's nice to see that they're pushing the ball up a little bit more. I think that makes a lot more sense given their personnel. Uh, they seem to be shooting some more threes. Um, so, and I think that fits what, what Otto does well on the court. So, uh, if that continues, like, I think everybody's just going to be a little bit more happy. There's less, uh, boiling, you know, anger going on and just like play a style that like you can see whether or not these guys are actually good players. I mean, I don't think what they had been doing for the previous 25 or whatever games was really giving anybody a good sense of how talented these players are um, and allowing them to kind of allowing the front office to evaluate them for their
0: future. Which is the weird thing, because I made this joke the other day, and I think it may have been after the Nets game, actually, that boy ball looked incredible playing Hoyball. ball. <laughs> and i i got that sense when they played it in it so they were playing quick they were playing fast they were shooting threes i think they were 14 of 28 from three if, if my memory serves me correctly but i i don't know what the impetus is for this sudden shift like i know boylan sort of talked about crawling before walking but did the bulls make the decision that okay now's you've put in enough um enough crawling time you're ready to walk or and and not even walk. the Bulls were kind of running in that game against the Nets. It was weird to see how the how the offense have shifted so, so dramatically. I don't think it's specifically just related to Otto Porter. It seems like something behind the scenes has gone on where, I don't know if it's Paxson or Doug Collins or someone else getting to Jim Boylan and saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. But there's almost been a fundamental shift in what the Bulls are doing. And, and like I said before, it almost feels like they've gone back to Fred Hoiberg style basketball under Jim Boylan now, which is obviously highly ir- ironic.
1: Yeah, I mean, I never, there was like this whole kind of fan outcry about how Boylan doesn't know what he's doing, and I don't know whether or not that's true, but I don't feel like I can say that just because, I mean, I every time I've talked to him, he seems like he's very smart and like understands the game very well. I'm not going to like take that away from him. But I think that there was some direction, whether it was his or the front office's, like deciding to play a certain style that I just really disagree with. And I think a lot of fans do as well. Um, So it's good to see that they're getting away from that. And I think it reminds me a lot of uh, old Brett Brown quote from when the process Sixers were kind of in their 10 win funk or whatever I should call that, um, where he was saying that they like need to forget everything else and just like learn how to defend the rim before they can, figure out how to like fly around on the perimeter and switch everything. I think there is probably some merit in that, but God, was it not fun to watch? And um, I don't know whether or not they've really learned how to do that stuff, but I'm just glad that they're like not worrying about it as much anymore.
0: Yeah. I, I think Boylan clearly, clearly knows the game. You know, you don't get that far without knowing the game, but maybe the pressures of being the coach, maybe just learning how to be a coach, you know, the pressure of in that in-game moment, maybe you just lose things. Maybe something slips your mind, or you're not quick enough to react in time, make the substitution when you need. We we, we saw him laughing after the game about burning all those timeouts. Maybe yeah, like he just didn't know kind how of many he had.
1: That's the kind of thing that you like. It's your first stint as an NBA head coach. Like that's the kind of thing that you like learn on the job. Yeah. Um, deciding to play like this brand of or that brand of basketball is more of a like decision that you make coming into that job as opposed to learning it on the job. And I, I wonder whether or not it was coming from above, uh, but either way, like I said, it's just glad, glad that they're not doing that anymore.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's worked for the last five, let's call it five games. Cause like I said, it's happened before I reported. or maybe even a bit, little bit before that, that the, the, the signs was there that the offense was sort of shifting a gear here, but, I don't know why i would like to know why the sudden shift but i'm, I'm thankful for it because it's made watching this team a lot more easier which is probably what we wanted to see because after the deadline i was thinking okay we've had a, we had a, our fun here i wasn't actually expecting much at the deadline but obviously the Porter trade went down but then after the deadline i was thinking well what the hell are we going to watch here that you know the rookies are out market and levine they hadn't necessarily been playing their best basketball Obviously, there was a trade, but who knows how Otto, Port, how Otto Porter is going to fit into this. Chris Dunn had been bad. Just the just the general, I guess, status of the team wasn't that great, but all of a sudden, there's some some upside around this team. I don't know if it's going to last, but um, uh, at least after the All-Star break, we'll see how it is. But they've been noticeably better over the last few games, and they've actually got a winnable game tonight against the Grizzlies, a fellow tank team. So the balls suddenly are, are a little bit more appealing to me.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I do. I want to talk a little bit about like what specifically on court stuff we've seen from Otto that makes him appealing and maybe some questions that you might have. Um, Because I do think that like just having him out there in and of itself is like making them more interesting to watch. Like I've, you know, not being required by a job to like watch his team anymore, it's been hard to like to do that. Yeah. Um, But given that you're getting this like talented, Player coming in, it's like you know I want to I want to tune in.
0: Yeah, so it, they definitely have been more fun to watch, and I think one of the reasons for that is it's allowed Larry Markin to go into more of a playmaking type role. He's had the ball a lot more in his hands, was seeing sort of grab and go off the rebound, and previously, I mean, he had the opportunity maybe to do that before. But I guess when you remove Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker, two guys who would have been playing some minutes with Larry Markin. During, during you know their stretch, whether that was with Portis in the game or, or when he wasn't injured or even when he was back sort of thing, they were sharing the floor with as Same with Zach Levine. There's there's three high-volume usage guys that you're putting around Markinen. but if you remove two of those guys all of a sudden, then things start to balance up a lot nicer. So I think that's probably been the biggest benefit of the Otto-Porter trade in the sense that he doesn't take anything away from you, but he potentially just his presence and his game style adds to the existing core that already is here. And I think we've seen a more aggressive Larry Markkinen because basically Portis and Jabari are gone. There's two high-volume usage guys gone. That So that basically means... Marketing needs to be that sort of playmaking, ball-dominant type of guy, and I think he's really taken that on board. And we're almost seeing more of rookie marketing, if that makes sense, because he was, he was quite aggressive in his rookie year, but he sort of took a backseat as, as he was coming back from injury this year. But over his last five games, he's basically scored 130 points in five games. So he's been damn awesome. So so do, do you think we can attribute Marketing's last three games, at least, given that that's when Porto's sort of been around to... Or himself or or is this is, is there a shift of in marketing's game as well
1: yeah I mean I don't know if you can necessarily say it's just because Otto got there I think he's been like a little bit more aggressive maybe over the past 10 or so games but um yeah I mean the extra space that's there is enormous I think that you bring up a good point with the usage stuff with Bobby and Jabari um I also think like it should be on coaching and management to say like all right let's play through Lowry right now. Uh, we know what the team looks like when you play through Zach. And, you know, he's obviously an incredibly talented player, but uh, he's not giving you much in the way of, like, winning basketball, in my opinion. And, um, you know, I don't think Lowry is going to be, like, a one option on a title contending team, but, like, let's see. And let's see if he can kind of handle the ball and run the offense through him to where maybe he can be a number two option. Because I think that if you – give him the mindset of I'm going to be the second best player on a great team. Um, I think he has to have the confidence in order to like get away with that. And I think him succeeding, doing it as the number one, even if it's on a bad team uh, means that, you know, maybe he'll feel that way going forward. And that would really change. I think the direction of the franchise, instead of having like Zach be, instead of, forcing Zach to be that guy, you now can maybe move him in, into more of a scorer's role, which I know is uh, something that a lot of people have suggested and I totally agree with. Um, and then you get Lowry kind of being more of the secondary option and, you know, hopefully you can find that guy that can be the primary.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the question now because the, the Porter trade, whilst it enables guys like Lowry Markin and Zach Levine probably to be better versions of their own self, it does put an extended pressure on really finding that primary ball handler most likely a point guard i guess so, so who that player yeah, is it really
1: does it really pigeonholes the bulls into yeah. finding that playmaker at point guard exactly which i think is maybe the wrong way to think about it definitely the wrong way to think about it um the bulls should just be looking for talent in whatever form they can find it but also like we're in this era of positionless basketball like why force yourself to get a true you know six foot two point guard that really like initiates the offense like why not find another wing and like let's get weird and run some tall lineups out there that, you know, you have a lot of skill at your four or five positions. You've seen Otto uh, put the ball on the floor a little bit more than I thought he could in Washington um, just these past three games uh, where he's running a little bit of pick and roll. I saw him shoot a couple off the dribble threes. He's cutting and getting some backdoor layups. So um, he's a he's a ball mover. He's going to get extra shots up. Um, You've got this opportunity now to try something a little bit different, Um, and I think they should they should really do that which is why you know i still am all aboard the zion bandwagon because i think he could potentially be like that creating wing slash big uh that makes the bulls really interesting
0: well i mean if zach levine had more to that game i I think it'd be interesting if they i don't i'm not necessarily advocating that zach levine plays point guard because generally when that happens it doesn't go well but if he had that ability then even with this team, you could throw in Wayne Selden at shooting guard, have Otto Porter um, at small forward, let's say Larry Markton there, and whoever you want to throw out at center as as an example. That way you're pretty much just running an all-guard unit with a couple bigs, and you are playing a big lineup, but it, it's moving quickly, and, and and there is that non-traditional point guard out there, but maybe that could happen if Zach, Zach Levine takes an unexpected leap in terms of his playmaking ability, which hasn't necessarily happened this season. He's shown glimpses, but hasn't necessarily put it all together but I, I get what you're saying but I think it's probably just a little bit easier to find that more traditional point guard than finding a Harden type player where who's not necessarily a traditional point guard is a big wing who can play make like a like a guard that we're used to seeing someone like that and I'm not necessarily saying the Bulls will find their James Harden but uh, they have made it a little bit more Wouldn't difficult that be nice though it would be pretty nice. I mean, Larry Marken would be the perfect player next to James Harden type of player. But I think because Porter, Levine, and or well, at least up until this point in their careers, haven't been traditional playmakers, their, their assist rates are pretty low. It does worry me about the fit in terms of playmaking and creation if one of those guys doesn't make a leap. And maybe maybe Larry Marken does more, become more of a facilitator now that he's been given more of a role in his last two games. He's had four and three assists. So he pretty much wasn't doing that prior to that. There were a lot of games where he wasn't having any assists at all. So maybe that just organically goes with him having more of a, more of a role and function within the offense, but I still feel like they need that genuine playmaker in the, in, in the backcourt, and it's most likely going to come from a point guard.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I do think, you know, I'm kind of over the Zach Le- Zach Levine as primary ball handler, experiment. I think we've seen enough from that. I think we've seen enough uh from Chris Dunn as the primary ball handler. Uh I I'm just kinda over that experiment as well. Um and I think just the past few games seeing Lowry bring the ball to court running a little pick and roll with four five um with Rolo and then you know you know Boylan's thrown out of Porter at center. Like you could run some cool stuff with those two in pick and roll. I think uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things that you can try, and I'm definitely, you know, more curious about how Lowry fits as a playmaker if he can kind of expand his game to do some of that stuff than I am with either of those two guys in the backcourt.
0: Yeah, look, I I'd certainly agree with you with Dunn. I'm I'm, I'm as close to being out on Dunn as I possibly can be without necessarily going all the way. But with Levine, I almost feel like. Whilst he's a flawed player, he is not necessarily productive or winning player in his career to date based on the advanced metrics. I almost feel like it, the Bulls need him right now because they don't have anyone else who can really create on the perimeter consistently. And I, I just refer back to the Bucks game where Larry was struggling from the field. Uh, he wasn't having a great game. Chris Dunn probably having one of his worst games of the season. The Bulls were probably in that game, at least in the first half, because Zach Levine was able to actually get to the basket, make some baskets, get to the rim and actually hit some shots. So whilst I have my issues with Levine at times, I think at some at some point we sort of have to admit too that he is somewhat necessary for this team right now given their inefficiencies in the backcourt. But in time, hopefully it doesn't remain. I definitely don't want to see Levine remain as that primary creator. I think he's better served in an off-ball role. And we sort of saw glimpses of him cutting off-ball off Lowry in the last game against the Bucks too. So I think there is that potential, but the Bulls have just got to make it or force it upon Levine, basically, to find that guy that can take the ball out of his hands. And I don't know if it's going to be Mark in full-time just given he's, a, he's traditionally a power forward or a center depending on the rotation. But so long as the Bulls don't give the roster an option better than Levine, I don't know what they can do but make Levine the primary creator.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I just don't necessarily think long-term that's the best option. I think I'm with you on the short-term side of it. But, um, yeah, I, I want to see him really just focus on scoring because I think that's where he's best, and I think that's where um, you're going to get the most out of him focus-wise. And, you know, if he's trying to run an offense and you're trying to, like, teach him how to play defense, which, let's face it, he is not good at, nope. um, I think it's just really... Asking a lot of a guy that, um you know, you you would have already liked to see some of those signs at this point in his career. I mean, he's what near five, so yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, that's fair. It's fair. Uh, I, I just wanted to put it out there because uh, I think I've been somewhat of an easy target. And look, I take my own shots at him, so I, I'm speaking for myself here too. But I almost think he's at sometimes a necessary evil too. So um, yeah,
1: no, I agree with that. I mean, he's look. There are very few players in this league who are as Physically skilled as that guy. I mean, the ability, the athleticism speaks for itself, right? Like the dunk contest, just watching him run up and down the floor. Uh, His, like, you know, I caught that, like, 180 lob the other day. I mean, the guy's just an absolute freak. And then on top of that, uh, he can get pretty much any shot he wants in the mid range. I wish he wouldn't take so many, but he can get them and he can pull up over pick and roll. So he can do it all on offense, um, scoring the ball wise. But I think. There's a lot left to be desired that he, I just don't know that he'll ever really show.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he's a fantastic three-point shooter. And and the issue the Bulls have had is because they've had to force him into being that primary creator, that he he doesn't get a lot of catch and shoot opportunities anymore. He's basically catching in or shooting off the dribble mostly, which has naturally affected his three-point percentage. But, yeah, you know, if you if you have that primary creator next to him or someone of his equivalence, then you can move Zach off more off ball, having cutting and getting into those catch and th- shoot threes. And he's just got a beautiful jump shot that I think if he sort of redistributes the balance of his shots more to be a catch and shoot player than a off the dribble player, even though he can, he can do that and hit the tough shot, then all of a sudden you've got a new Zach Levine tube. So,
1: and I think, I think you need to be able to do every style in yeah. today's NBA. No, I fair. think. Yeah. Um, and I think that's actually an interesting pro, uh, as far as the Otto Porter trade. Um, yes, you have Levi or you have Lowry and Wendell in the front court. That's kind of like your locked up pieces for the future. Um, but by moving away from uh, Bobby, you now have the ability to play Otto Porter, where I think you know he projects longer term to play the best at the four. So you can now slide him up, and when Wendell takes a break. You can move Laura to the five and get Otto in at the four. And like you said, put Selden in at the three with Levine and, you know, point guard X at the one. Um, or you can switch that and go Wendell at the five and Otto at the four. I think being able to shift up and play smaller balls, space it out. And then also, you know, I think there are some situations where he's going to be able to play against threes. Um, he's really struggled, I think, in defensive situations more than I more than I was expecting. I think um, watching him kind of come off of curls uh, from the baseline over the top, he's really bad in those lock and trail situations and gets beat all the time. Um, against faster wings, I think he's going to have trouble. He just does not look super mobile. I wonder if that has anything to do with his hip issue. But, um, you know, I think for the most part, he'll be fine playing three. And with the ability to move up to the four, it just gives you a lot more versatility. Uh, with all the lineups that you can play throughout a game, not just the starting lineup.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring up Porter playing the four, well, giving the Bulls a small ball option that they typically haven't had. You know, typical Bulls over the last X amount of years, they traditionally run a two big lineup. They've often often got two bigs off the bench. It's been a problem, well, basically for the last five to six years, where they've had so much depth in the front court that it's often forced them into playing those two traditional big lineups. But now with Portis gone with Jabari Parker gone and obviously Wendell Carter out for the season, the Bulls have almost been forced into playing small ball and we saw it against the Bucks. So he's Otto Porter was playing center because uh, Boylan didn't want to put Felicio in to match up against Giannis. And I guess that's just, that's just a testament to Giannis and how good he is and the matchup problems he can cause himself. But It does unlock a few things that the Bulls basically haven't had before, which is another benefit of this Porter trade. They can actually play small, but that does mean, or it puts an interesting sort of dynamic in there with Lowry and Wendell Carter. And I was just wondering, because we've seen more of marketing here at center and offensively, it just changes the shape of the offense completely. And it's a little bit hard to judge, I guess, because we haven't seen Lowry and Wendell play together in a more spaced out, open, quicker system. So it's we, we kind of don't know what it looks like based on this season's evidence at least. But uh, I'm wondering if you think marketing can sort of transition to that center spot full-time and do you think the Bulls should be exploring that? And if so, what does that mean for the Markkinen and Wendell Carter pairing?
1: I'm glad you brought this up because it's something I've thought a lot about and I was critical of Markkinen and Carter when the Bulls drafted each of them um, on draft night, because if you look around the league right now, you look at the great teams that are winning titles or competing for titles. Very, very few of them are, uh, built around a like traditional big man. And I think, you know, Lowry was not a traditional big man in the sense that he's like, you know, a Tim Duncan style power forward, but, um, basically like on draft night, I was thinking of him as like a glorified Ryan Anderson type where he's basically a, you know, space it out, for who can't really give you much in any other capacity. Obviously, that I was totally wrong about, and he's shown a ton off the bounce, uh, back to the basket. Defensively, I think he's better than I thought he was going to be. And same goes for Carter. I was immediately enamored with him when I saw him in summer league, moving his feet, uh, being able to switch onto guards, uh, the block shots, the help defense, um, the jump shot, which has not gone super well this year, but uh, I think he will eventually get that going. So my point is a lot of teams are not building around big men um, because it's just very hard to win that way. I think in the past, in like the history of the game, big men were valued so heavily because, you know, bigger meant better. Um, But now we're in this era where like bigger does not mean better unless those bigs are as skilled as those skilled guys. And I think, there is a chance that Markinen and Carter can be skilled enough to be able to like set a new, I think what the bulls are probably hoping, I don't know if I necessarily believe this, but uh, that those two guys are skilled enough to make other teams have to adjust to them where now they have to play two bigs because um, Carter and Markinen can beat you in so many different ways. And I think, you know, there is some merit in that, like those guys are skilled. They can do, Uh, they have very versatile offensive games that can do a ton of different things. Um, whether they develop into that is, you know, another question and whether or not they can move their feet fast enough to be able to defend the other way against the smaller teams is really the biggest question. Um, but I think, like I mentioned, having Otto Porter now where you can slide him up to the four, I think that gives you enough versatility where you have this three man, big rotation and, you know, they'll have to bring in somebody else. Maybe it's Joakim Noah. Maybe it's Taj Gibson. Maybe it's, you know, some other guy. Maybe they bring back Rolo. But I think um, we're looking at a team with enough versatility and uh, hopefully enough skill to, like, make this work.
0: Yeah, look, I'm hopeful of that, too, because obviously the Bulls have um, invested a lot in Marken and obviously Wendell Carter, too. But the reason why I ask that question is because we've seen Marken play more center here. And whilst it changes everything offensively, I'm still. Remain unconvinced that it can work defensively. And yeah,
1: I think that's the big question. Um, it is. I don't. I don't want to cut too much into what you're saying, but yeah, I, especially with like just Otto and Lowry out there at the four five, I'm not sure that can work. Um, yeah, yeah. Otto at the three, I'm not sure. Like he's not gonna be able to guard your LeBron Jameses, your Kawhi Leonard's. I just don't think he's strong enough, and he's not gonna be able to guard like your James Hardens either. He's obviously nobody can guard those guys, but Um, I don't think he's the like lockdown stopper on the wing that you hope for. I don't think he's the kind of guy who can even guard. Like, you know, I was talking to Scott last night, we're watching the, at the Warriors jazz game. And he was saying like, he's not the kind of guy who can fly around screens and stay with Kyle Korver either. So who does he really guard? I think probably fours, but um, it'll work at three. And they'll just have to figure out the rest.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's odd because that, that, that's been striking for me in, in watching Porter is you can't put him down a position. You can't really put him into shooting guard, which I thought may be an option, making him a really big too. But against the Nets, he had no chance of staying with those guys running off and curling off screens and those sorts of things. And look, maybe he's still sort of hampered by a hip injury here, but it doesn't look like you can shift him down a position and go with a really super big lineup in that sense it's probably more likely that you're gonna be pushing Porter uh, Porter up to power forward than moving him down to shooting guards. So I think that just puts an interesting dynamic around this whole thing. But it, it just it's just gonna be interesting how this sort of progresses because Marketing really does unlock so much when he plays center on offense. But I just worry about it on defense to the point where it almost almost makes someone like Wendell Carter so or oh, he, he makes it so prominent in that sense that you need someone like Carter around on this team but that doesn't mean that it has to be Carter because you take someone that plays a similar game but maybe 75% of what Wendell Carter maybe projects to be. So th- it's just an interesting thought that I've had watching this because the offense looks amazing and you, you literally see five players out on the perimeter but look, maybe that's something they could do with Wendell Carter too because he when he during his time, he was playing when when the balls were going with this really post up heavy odd ball Jim Boylan style of basketball. So we didn't necessarily get to see the best of Wendell Carter Jr. too, and what he can do and and his face up offensive game too. So and then then that got me wondering, what does uh, Wendell Carter Jr. look in this style of basketball? Because we're not going to see him for the rest of this season, most likely. And we're all, the only evidence we really have basically of, of Wendell Carter is playing in this really slow malaise of an offense where it's really post heavy style. And they're actually feeding him the ball in the post and trying to make him that post player. But do you think it's possible that we just got—we we we didn't see half of what Wendell Carter Jr. could actually do because of the way the Bulls were playing when he was actually on the floor during his, you know, first couple months in the league?
1: I don't think we got to see even half of what he can do. I'm I'm really convinced that he's going to be, like, just such a stud center in this league. Um, The guy's awareness, for one, I I just don't think the Bulls have very many players who see and read and, like, feel the game as well as he does. I would love to see them play him kind of on the high uh, handoff game that they run where he's, like, making plays. I would love to see – they did a little bit of, like, just short roll, pick and roll stuff where he'll make plays – uh, get after getting a dump off pass. Um, and I think he can really succeed there, but, um, I want to see him picking and popping for threes more. Um, I, I just think offensively he's not going to like put up huge numbers. He's, but I think he's like a kind of player that the bulls could run a decent amount of offense through. And I would like to see them do that just because obviously he's not going to play this year, but, uh, in the future, just because like we've mentioned, I don't really see it going all that well with the backcourt that they have in place. Um, I I think he's going to be a really talented offensive player just based on how smart and like aware he is. Um, And then defensively, I think that applies too, right? Like he's, he knows where to be. He knows how to get to the right place at the right time. His shot blocking, I think he's still like fourth or fifth among rookies and block shots and he hasn't played in like a month. Um, I think he's just going to be a really special player.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree that his passing game was something that was underutilized. We didn't see his face-up shooting game at all. And like I said, I, I I can't necessarily confirm this, but it, it just in watching the games, it looks like he was told to put away his long ball, just getting the on the block and let, let develop you closer to the basket, which I think was the wrong move. So I think there's still potential for that marketing and um the marketing and Carter pairing to really work and function on offense, even if we don't necessarily transition marketing to a full-time center, because I think you still can play five-out basketball or at least four-and-a-half-out basketball, let's call it that, with Wendell Carter and Larry marketing as your, your your forward and center sort of thing. So I, th- I think that's been the, the shame of of seeing the ball sort of transition to what we're seeing now, because they're, they're looking fine. They're, their offense is flowing really nicely, but unfortunately, we didn't necessarily get to see uh, Wendell Carter operated that and even Chandler Hutchinson who's a fantastic cutter he might be the best cutter on the team in his rookie season I'm even wondering like how good he may have looked or how, how much easier it may have been for him in his rookie season sort of cutting, cutting and operating in a more spaced out offense that we're seeing now a, a quicker offense so I think whilst there's a lot of positives there's a lot of what ifs still left to to be had as to why couldn't we have been doing this quite a while ago maybe Jim Boylan will will say like I I said before that you had to crawl before you walk but I I think that's exactly
1: what it is I think that's exactly what it is I I don't know that for sure but just based on talking to Wendell a little bit earlier on this year um he never told me that he was encouraged not to shoot threes but he made it very clear to me that he didn't want to do it until he felt comfortable enough he's very concerned about like making sure that he's not taking a bad shot because he doesn't want his teammates to think that he's like taking bad shots or taking away from them. Or, you know, when when you talk about the great offenses in this league, it's like, it's not how can, what's the best shot I can get for myself. It's what's the best shot that we can get on this team. And so a lot of great offensive players like Kobe, for example, will take that to mean, well, the best shot that we can get on this possession is my shot, no matter if it's partially or fully contested but i think wendell when he gets to the point where he's encouraged to shoot and he's got that green light and he feels more empowered to do that um i think he'll be a lot better i would also like to see him just like i mentioned before like run the offense through him in the high post uh run some like like dump it into him on split actions and like make let him make decisions for cutters or or flare screeners on on shots i just think he can do so much and then defensively too with the ability to switch and protect the rim i think he got a really good center on your hands.
0: Totally agree. And it's to the point where I actually think he's the best playmaker on this team, which is both a, I guess it's praise, high praise of Wendell Carter Jr. But it speaks volumes of the Bulls backcourt. And I just want to quickly touch on and finish with Chris Dunn, who is out tonight against the Grizzlies. He fell kind of hard there against the Bucks, really fell and hit his tailbone quite heavy. You could hear it on the, on the broadcast how hard he felt, but it's basically just another injury that Chris Dunn didn't need. And, I don't know what's going on with Don. Maybe there's some stuff off-court that's happening that we're just not aware of, but he's regressed in year three to the point where I'm wondering if he's even back next season and if if it's even worth trying to invest time or any more time on this guy. He turns 25 next month. I know that some people contest that that's not necessarily old, but to me... For a third-year player who's meant to be learning the game, I think that is old. You just you just watch Trey Young in Atlanta, for example. Now I know Trey's and has an incredible basketball IQ, but in watching him, whilst he has his weaknesses, never once do I question his ability or his knowledge in how to play point guard. Whereas you watch Chris Dunn, who's twenty-five, almost five years older than than Trey Young, and you still see a player who, who's not aware or doesn't know how to play point guard. So it's kind of I don't know what to think of Chris Dunn. I really want to see him succeed because he's a type of player that naturally I'd gravitate towards and it's sort of killing me to see him not play this well. But I don't know where are you at with Chris Dunn. Let's let's close on this topic. But personally, like I said before, I'm as close to being on as out on the guys I possibly can be without necessarily committing to going the whole way.
1: I'm pretty much there. I think uh, I would say I've seen enough. Um, I just look, I think... I don't think he's not going to get better. I just think if you are a point guard in today's NBA, you have to be able to do three things to be able to be great offensively. You have to be able to score efficiently. uh, You have to be able to play make, and you have to be able to get like not killed defensively. I think he can not get killed defensively. I think his uh, on-the-ball defense is like very, very good. Um, Like – top tier on the ball defense. I think his off the ball defense is pretty overrated. Um, he t- makes a ton of gambles, even though Boylan says that they shouldn't do that. Um, he gets beat on a lot of back cuts. I think he's just like more interested in like hawking the ball than uh, being in the right position to help. Um, so that that's the defense overall. I, I think he's very good on defense um, playmaking wise. I know he's getting a lot of assists, but I just feel like he's out of control Uh, His assist rate is 31.8. I think that's very solid, but I don't know. He hasn't convinced me there yet. I think a lot of that is the fact that he um, is just like driving with a full head of steam, playing kind of out of control. Some of the same reasons why he gets injured um, and just kind of like dumping it off to guys who are making shots. Um, And I think that leads into the next thing, which is his ability to be an efficient offensive player. Uh, i just think he's like too out of control i think he look he, his free- throw attempt rate is uh 14.6 that's terrible his three-point attempt rate is 16 percent um there is not another player in the league with a worse uh three-point attempt or free throw attempt rate with a true shooting percentage below 50. um that's just chris Dunn. um he doesn't so he doesn't shoot threes he's shooting them okay this year he's but, um, he's, I would not say he's good at that. And he passes up so many that teams still aren't guarding him. And even if he is shooting an open three, I mean, half the time he's hitting the side of the backboard. Um, and then he doesn't, so he, he doesn't shoot threes. He doesn't get the free throw line and he doesn't finish that while around the rim. He's shooting, uh, 60% at the rim this year, which is a career high. Um, but just some of the times he's just throwing layups. I, I I don't know. I I feel like that number is going to go down. Um, if it doesn't, I'm happy to echo on that, but uh, I'm just not convinced by that number right now. So you look at those three things, and it's just hard to imagine him being very successful. His offense is built around kind of snaking pick and rolls and shooting free throw line jumpers where he's, you know, 45%, and it's like, that's the best shot you can get. It's a terrible shot. And it, he doesn't seem uh, willing to work on some of the other things that he needs to work on to be a modern point guard.
0: Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. And he had a comment most recently saying that he can get to his spots all the time. It's just a matter of finishing, but I, th- I don't know if he's cognizant of the fact that he's getting to those spots because teams are allowing him to almost get to those spots. No one really cares if you walk into, or you turn down a, a nice open looking three and walk into an 18 foot jump shot. Teams will gladly allow you to do that. So, I mean, that's I was
1: the Warriors last night, the jazz defended them that exact same way. And it was drop in the pick and roll. Rudy drops back so that he can protect the paint. Um, and the ball handling defender goes over the screen to prevent the three. And it's Katie every time. And he's shooting like 55% on those. So that's a good shot. He's like the one player in the league that can get away with that. And so that's how they won. But it's like, you're not Kevin Durant. You're not Chris Paul. Like these shots are not good. And even if they are good for those guys those guys are shooting less of them because they're still not good shots and the better shots come at the rim the free throw line and beyond the arc and i don't know why uh the bulls are still allowing their guys to shoot so many contested mid-range shots it just does not make sense to me
0: yeah i mean he's kd but he's not kd i guess that's uh, that's it's a great way to put it <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there but uh look i, I know you got to go so we'll end it there Appreciate you jumping on and, and talking balls with me. We'll see how the rest of the season goes, but hopefully it goes similar to what we've seen over the last week because even though they, they haven't necessarily won a lot of games, they did have that great win over the Nets. Uh, they've, they've been more enjoyable to watch, which for a rebuilding team, I think all we want to see is to see a fun, exciting young team that's showing progression like the Atlanta Hawks have been doing, like the Nets have been doing, like the Sacramento Kings have been doing and in, and in the last week at least the bulls have sort of shown that so hopefully that that progresses and, and if it does maybe we can talk about it again soon and you can jump back on the podcast because as i said a little bit earlier i know you're loving to uh or wanting to get back onto the pod so uh, because you've been missing it and we've been missing bull call press too but you're, you're more than welcome to jump back on bulls hq whenever you want mate
1: thanks my man it's it's been fun to be back hopefully i wasn't too negative i am really loving what i'm seeing from marketing and uh you know i think last night uh quinn snyder said something that struck a chord with me, which is that it's very it's very possible to get better throughout the course of a season in the second half of the season. And uh, hopefully the Bulls can do just that.
0: Fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, look, we'll talk again soon, mate. But uh, go enjoy your working day. And uh, yeah, like I said, we'll speak soon. Speak soon. So that was Will Gottlieb, folks. Follow him on Twitter at @won't_gottlieb Gottlieb if you aren't already. If you're not, shame on you. Go fix that right now. And read his stuff up at Bleacher Report too. Will does some good stuff covering the league, in particular the Golden State Warriors. He mentioned that a few times, but he's, he's, he's based out of San Francisco. So he actually gets to see the best team in the league and likely the NBA champion whilst also watching a lot of Bulls basketball, which isn't necessarily the best team in the league, unfortunately for us. But uh thanks to Will for jumping on the show. And thanks to you guys for tuning into Bulls HQ. Appreciate it. I'm not too sure... If I'll be back next week, hopefully I am. Because if it's not next week, it won't be for a little while afterwards. Because I'll be uh, off getting married. So hopefully I can squeeze in a show before I go and take the plunge of um, of uh, getting married. So we'll be on the lookout for that. I'll let you know if there will be on the show. It's sort of all fluid at the moment. It's kind of dependent on my schedule. It's kind of crazy at the moment, but also what the Bulls are doing too. So bear with me over the next few weeks. Because uh, like Chris Dunn running an offense, I'm kind of all over the place at the moment. So. Bear with me through this time. I appreciate your support, but uh, like I always say, in my absence, there's plenty of Bulls podcasts out there that can uh, keep you more than more than entertained during my absence, which, I'm look, I'm sure that's probably happening right now anyway. If you listen to this Bulls card podcast, you're probably a fanatic and you're probably catching all the other shows too, so you won't be out without a Bulls show, even if my stupid voice isn't here uh, to give you my opinion on the team. So until next time, this has been Bulls HQ. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll speak to you all again next time. Oh